work, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. About a couple of Wednesdays ago, we finished the first half of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is re-instructing them the law, and he's also going over their history as a nation. We saw the first 24 verses, and now we'll look at the next 25 verses. So verse 25 through 27 He says, when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. It's always been said there's good news and bad news to many stories. Maybe you've gotten that question before. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? And here the Lord just reminds them. He reminds us of the consequences of our decisions. He warned them to pay attention to themselves, to watch themselves, watch the way that they were walking. And here he warns them that once they have children and grandchildren and they grow old in the land, if they begin to act corruptly and make other idols, other images, other gods in their lives, then there are consequences of disobedience. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 14 and 15, he says, Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly, And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure. God reminded them, when I came and I spoke to you, I came in no image so that you would not be tempted to create an image to worship. And the danger here and the warning here for us is that when we are comfortable and our needs and wants are being met, we can quickly relax when it comes to seeking the Lord our God. And when we relax in seeking God, we can quickly forget his laws and wander away towards other gods. That's why in verse 9 in the same chapter, he warned them, Only take heed to yourselves and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. And lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. God warns them to take heed to themselves and to diligently keep yourself. If not, there would be consequences to disobedience. And it's a warning to us. When we go through difficult seasons, we, like David, we press into God and we press into his word as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longeth longeth after thee. But when we're in good seasons, when we're in seasons of blessing, When school lets out and we barely pass the grade, right? We can quickly forget the Lord our God where we're in summer, we're relaxing, it's water slides, milkshakes, all you can eat ice cream. Who who needs God? 
But that's the time when we need to pay attention to ourselves and take heed, be diligent to keep ourselves. Because the consequences for their disobedience would be to utterly perish from the promised land, to be utterly destroyed, to be scattered among the peoples, to be driven out to other nations, and to worship those idols in the other nations. Sadly, this is exactly what would happen 550 years after Moses is here writing this and warning the nation of Israel about this. Israel was freed from slavery in Egypt so that the Lord could keep his promise to Abraham and so that the Israelites would be free to serve and worship the Lord. Why do you think that Jesus has saved you? Why do you think that Jesus has freed you from sin and from the slavery of the enemy? Is it to just do whatever you feel like? Is it to just have your own white picket fence and to do everything you want and to follow all of your heart's desires? Or has he freed you for a specific purpose that is greater than yourself? In Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, God tells Moses, what to tell Pharaoh in his reason for allowing the Hebrews to go free. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, God tells Moses, You shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Family, we've been freed from sin and the slavery of the enemy to go out and serve the Lord our God. And if you're not serving the Lord your God, you are not accomplishing your purpose for being alive here on this planet. You have not just been saved so that you can go live the American dream. We have been saved so that we would go out and serve the Lord our God. Perhaps you're in a season where you're frustrated. You're in a season where it seems like nothing is clicking, nothing is making sense. Are you purposefully serving the Lord your God? Or are you just wandering around aimlessly? Because then of, of course you're frustrated. You are not fulfilling God's plan and God's purposes for your life. We know that Israel, the nation of Israel, was about to be used by God to punish the inhabitants of Canaan who were wicked and worshipped many false gods. However, if Israel began to act just like those pagan nations, what would a just, fair, and righteous God have to do with them? He would have to judge them just as he judged those wicked nations in Canaan. And that's why he tells them in verse 28, And there you will serve God's little g. The work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. If you're quick, we can turn to Psalm 115. And in Psalm 115, we're given very similar wording here for what idols are all about and how silly it is for us to worship idols. Psalm 115, verse 3, it says, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. 
They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. We become like the gods that we serve. Very quickly, we become like the gods that we serve and the gods that we worship. And if you're out there worshiping an idol, you will quickly become blind and deaf and dumb and not able to do anything in life. But if you're serving the Lord our God, then you're going to have that love, that agape love that can only come from Him. And then you're going to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. You're going to have that power over sin and shame. You're going to look and act like the Lord our God, just as we are to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Here God is warning them, Israel, if you're going to forsake me and you want to serve other idols, I will allow you to serve all the idols that you want. If Israel wanted to forsake Yahweh, who freed them from slavery to worship the idols that they made for themselves, God would allow them to do so, but they would have to go back to their former slavery. David Guzik says, Often God's chastisement on us is to give us what our sinful hearts long for. If Israel wanted idols, God would give them idols. Sometimes being a good parent is giving your kids what they want even though it's not so nice or good for them. You tell them, no, don't eat that. No, don't eat that. No, don't eat that. All right, you want to eat the wasabi? Go for it. Take a whole Take a whole spoonful. That's spicy. Don't touch that. That, That's painful. Don't do that. As parents, there comes a time when you have to allow them to learn through the school of hard knocks. And oftentimes, God does the same thing for us. He tries to protect us. And He tries to warn us, hey, that pornography is going to mess your mind up. That pornography is going to mess your mind up. That pornography is going to mess your mind up. And finally, He'll give you into it. Stop seeking after that thing. Stop being obsessed with that social media. Stop giving your whole heart to it. Stop it, stop it. All right, go for it. There are different things. Job, money, stop being obsessed with money. Stop being obsessed with the job. Okay, you want it? Go for it. And it costs us our family. It costs us our minds. It costs us so much. We need to be quick to hear the Lord our God. In Jeremiah 16, 13, there's a warning here. He says, Therefore I will cast you out of this land into a land that you do not know, neither you nor your fathers, and there you shall serve other gods day and night, where I will not show you favor. God made a covenant with his people, but they needed to keep their end of the bargain as well. There's a spiritual law that we cannot break away from. It's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And if you're sowing lies, if you're sowing division, if you're sowing 
carnality, if you're sowing towards your flesh and the lust of your flesh, that is exactly what you're going to reap. If you're sowing carnality into your home and the flesh into your home and then all of a sudden your kids are acting carnal, don't sit there scratching your head. How did this happen? Look in the mirror. That's what you've been sowing into the family. But if you're sowing the Lord and the things of God, that's exactly what you're going to reap. But verse 29 and 30, we see just how great our God is. Have you ever heard someone say that there's two gods? There's a God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. Anybody hear that before, right? Sort of good cop, bad cop. God the Father, he's the bad cop. He's the not nice one. But Jesus, he's the nice guy. He's the sweet guy. Here in verse 29, we see the grace of God in the Old Testament. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God. And you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. Seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. So a question here for us, does repentance seem like a half-hearted type of thing? Does true repentance seem like a half-hearted type of thing? Where we try to protect ourselves. We try to protect the cost of our sin. We try to protect what our poor decision-making truly requires. What we should be reaping because of what we've sown. No, true repentance is full abandonment. It's seeking the Lord, your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul. God here gives the nation of Israel a promise that they will not be utterly cast out, even though they will be unfaithful to the God who has freed them from slavery and given them absolutely everything they have. Though they will forsake the living God, who has always been before them as a pillar of fire by night or a pillar of cloud by day, though they forsake this living God for man-made idols that they've carved for themselves, he will not turn his back on them. Again, the grace of the Lord our God. He simply gives them away to their own sinful and fleshly desires. And then he waits for them to have enough of the pain and turn back to him. He does not cast them away forever. We can turn to Jeremiah 29. And the prophet Jeremiah here, he's foretelling, he's prophesying this very same thing that Moses, being told by God to tell this new young nation of Israel, Jeremiah, he tells them the same thing after the Assyrians and the Babylonians fulfill what God is speaking here. In Jeremiah 29, verse 12, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. It's a promise for the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel exists today. 
fulfillment of this prophecy, but it's also a promise for us. If you're here and you're smack dab in the middle of reaping the consequences of your sinful choices, don't just sit there in your sins and in your poor decision making. Instead, make a decision to be totally committed to seeking the presence of God in your life with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And if you are truly fully committed to seeking the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, it will lead to turning to God and to obeying the Lord your God. That's why verse 29 and verse 30 says, If you seek Him with all your heart and all your soul, verse 29, and then what does the end of verse 30 say? When you turn to the Lord your God and obey His voice. It's very simple. I love the simplicity of Scripture. If you're being disobedient to God and His Word, you're not seeking Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. It's as simple as that. If you are seeking Him with all of your heart and all of your soul, then you're going to be going towards Him and you're going to be obeying His voice. We can think of the commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We can think of Jesus when he's tested, Master, what's the greatest commandment? He says, hey, just love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And the second commandment, it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're in the middle of sin, in the middle of reaping what you've sown, instead of just sitting there in the muck, be wise like that prodigal son and be reminded about your father's house. Turn to him, repent, let go of your sins, and he'll restore you in his timing. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it's the New Testament promise for us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, 13 gives us another promise here. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If you're all about protecting your own brand and your own name, it's only going to lead to more and more problems. Truly, that, that's the heart of the Pharisee. The Pharisee is trying to act more holy around people than he actually is. And when we're out there always trying to cover our sins and protect our back and protect our reputation, you will not prosper. But when we're obedient to God's word and we're confessing our sin and forsaking our sin, we will receive the mercy of God and then he'll be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 31, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. And man, I love, I love the balance of our God. What does verse 24 say about God? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, it tells us something that seems so different, right? For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. 
And yet seven verses later, we are told that the Lord our God is a merciful God. The NASB puts it this way, the Lord your God is a compassionate God. And here we have the great balance of the God that we serve. The great balance of a good father. A good father is not just a pushover that allows his kids to do whatever he wants. But a good father is also not just this consuming blaze of fire that's constantly destroying his children and the family. He is a well-balanced man that loves his family, but yet his children are also fearful of their father. A great balance of the Lord our God. We can turn to Psalm 78. If you really like the book of Exodus and this season of Moses, I encourage you, you could read Psalm 78. It gives you a synopsis of all that the children of Israel go through. We won't read the whole chapter, but Psalm 78, verse 36. It tells us, Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongue, for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy him. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, the Lord God that we serve, he is a jealous God. He is an all-consuming fire. He is a holy God. But just as much as he is that jealous God, he is that merciful God and that compassionate God. He is the perfect father. We can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us more insight into how our heavenly father acts and how he is a consuming fire. So interesting that the author of Hebrews, he writes both things down within the same few paragraphs. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 and 6, don't buy into the lies that chastening is not loving. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 tells us, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Then we jump down to the end of the chapter, verse 25. It tells, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. 
Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. Isn't the Bible amazing? Hebrews here carries these same two ideas within a few verses of each other. That our God is a good father. Not only a good father, he is a perfect father. But because he is a perfect father, he chastens us and we are to serve the Lord our God. Not flippantly, we are to serve the Lord our God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Because our God is a consuming fire. Have you forgotten about that? Have we forgotten about just how holy our God truly is? And are we coming to Him, not flippantly, but are we coming to Him with reverence and godly fear? I encourage you, you can read about Hophni and Phinehas and their father Eli. What happens to a priest or a son or a daughter of the living God when we come to Him flippantly? When we come to him not being mindful of just how holy our God is. And I pray that each of us as parents, we are mindful about just how holy our God is. And our sons and daughters know it. Our sons and daughters come to God with that reverence. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The fear of the Lord, that's where understanding is. And knowledge and all wisdom. But those who come to God flippantly, oh, he's my homie upstairs, right? It's just a dangerous, dangerous place to be. We jump back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Yes, our God, he is a consuming fire, but our God is a merciful and compassionate God as well. He continues in verse 32. For you ask now, concerning the days that are past, which are before you, since the day that God created man on earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether any great thing like this has happened, or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard and live? We know Israel had this very same fear about hearing the voice of God and surviving. In Exodus 20, verse 19, they tell Moses, Hey, you speak with us and we'll hear from you, Moses. But let not God speak with us lest we die. Israel was fearful of hearing the very voice of the Lord their God. But because God loved them, he spoke to them and did not destroy them. Family, are we mindful of the great privilege that we have that we get to hear the voice of the creator of heaven and earth and we're not instantly consumed? We don't instantly die. It's not, hey, Zach, like instant obedience or absolute crispiness, right? Either obey or right away you're going to be destroyed to a crisp. But the grace of our God, do we sit back and are we blown away that we get to hear the voice of the Lord our God? It's so important to read both the Old Testament and New Testament to consider what the old nation of Israel had to do to be in the presence of the Lord God. One guy, 
once a year on the Day of Atonement got to sit down in the presence of God. And if he wasn't right, if he wasn't completely clean, if he wasn't completely pure, what would happen to him? Thud, right? He would die. On the other side of the veil, all the other priests would hear is jingle, 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 thud. He wasn't holy enough to be with God. Then they'd have to pull him on out. Yet we get to come to the Lord our God and we get to speak to him. We get to have a relationship with him. We get to have a friendship with him. We get to address him as Jesus tells us, our Father who art in heaven. Are we mindful of this? Are we blown away at this great privilege that we have? Israel, they took it for granted. Verse 34 and 35 Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation? By trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. The great privilege that Israel had, and yet they took it for granted. God did all this to reveal himself and his power to the nation of Israel, that they would know that he is God and there is, none, there is no other God besides him. Back to Psalm 78, referencing that chapter once again. In verse 10 through 15, it tells us they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the water stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and he gave them drink in abundance like the depths. Family, it's so important for each and every one of us to remember the works and the wonders that God has shown us in our lives. There are many answers to prayer in this room. There are many miracles that have happened. Many blessings. I encourage you, write them down. Take time to dwell on them. To ponder on them. Lest we forget of all that God has done before our eyes. Have you taken a step back to be mindful of how many answers to prayer how many times we've been healed from sicknesses and colds how many family members have been saved how many passports have gotten there right on time right how many times loved ones were released from the hospital how many times he's done great miracles before us and yet we forget about him and go back to our sinful lusts and desires Remind yourself of the great works God has done for you. Remind yourself of how many 
camps he's spoken to you, how many retreats you have heard his voice, you have wept because you've known you've been with him. Remind yourself of his great work in your life next time you're tempted with the sin and with the flesh and with the cheapness that the enemy leaves before us. Verse 36, out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you. On earth, he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence and with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you. To bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. He has allowed us to hear his voice. Not to condemn us, not to destroy us, not to curse us, but that he might instruct us how we can hear from him and be in this relationship and walk with him. Don't take it for granted. He has chosen us, not because we're great, not because we're mighty, but because he has loved us. Do we take this all for granted? Do we think this is simply what we deserve? I think, not oftentimes, but many older people today would say that we live in a society where young people think they deserve everything that they're receiving. And sadly, there are many Christians today that just simply think we deserve the voice of the Lord our God. We deserve His presence. We deserve His goodness. And the only thing we deserve from God is judgment for all of eternity. That's the only thing that we deserve. And yet he's delighted in us and he loves us. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 18, verse 18 and 19. David says, They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me he didn't deliver us because he needed us he didn't deliver us because we're all that in a bag of chips he didn't deliver us because we're so special the only reason we've been delivered is because he loves you he delights in you he wants that friendship that relationship with you i encourage you let these verses wash over you first john chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Finally, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Family, have we taken the love of God for granted? Is it something that is just flipping to us? Of course I deserve the love of God. Of course I should have it. May we constantly be broken, be weeping. What manner of love is this that God would call us his sons and daughters? Take a step back and consider his choosing of you. Take a step back and bask in his great love towards us and that while we were still enemies to his kingdom, he sent his only begotten son to die for us. And then consider what our response should be. Consider how we should respond to such a great amount of love. If he is the only true God and he has shown us so much love and grace, what should our response be? To two-time him? To live in sin and with him? To see how much, how close can we get to sin and still go to heaven? Or should we be completely abandoned to his will and to his plan for our lives? Should we be completely abandoned to his word and his statutes and his commandments? That's what Moses tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 40. He says, you shall therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, right? You guys know that. It's because he is the only God. And because he's demonstrated so much love to us, we need to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Is God some type of fun vampire? Just sucking the fun out of everything? Just, man, he's just a Debbie Downer. He's just always being mean to me, not letting me do this, that, or the third. No, the Lord gives us these statutes and commandments so that it would go well with us, so that we would have blessings, so that we would have life, and that abundantly. So that it would go well, not only for you and I, but that it would go well for my children and my children's children. That my days would be prolonged in the land which the Lord, our God, is giving us. How dare we get mad at Scripture with God's commandments? How dare we get annoyed with what Scripture calls sin? And with what marriage is, what gender is, what sin is. How dare we get mad at that when the only reason God is telling us his statutes and his commandments is to bless us. It's so that our life would be as awesome as possible. That's why he's giving us his word. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now, 
and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a promise there. If we are willing and obedient to the word of God, we're going to eat the good of the land. But if we rebel against him, if we refuse him, we will be devoured. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Paul tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here what Paul is saying is the only thing that makes sense If we're going to use reason and logic, the only thing that makes sense in view of what God has done for us is to serve Him with no holding back. To be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. This is why God writes to us and gives us His law and commandments that it would go well with us and our children and our children's children. That our days would be prolonged in the land which the Lord our God is giving us. And sin, it always seems as if it's going to be so delicious and amazing and incredible. And yet it's as Proverbs says, it's sweet in your mouth, but the second it hits your stomach, it's like gravel. And yet we try to give into it oftentimes. Let's remember, why is God's word here? Is it to destroy us? Is it to keep us back from blessing? No, it's to bless us. It's to give us the best life possible. Verses 41 through 43. Then Moses set apart three cities on this side of the Jordan towards the rising of the sun, towards the east side, that the manslayer might flee there who kills his neighbor unintentionally without having hated him in past time, and that by fleeing to one of these cities he might live. Bezer in the wilderness on the plateau of the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Here we're reminded of the two and a half tribes that settled for less than God's full blessing in their lives. And what we see here is that God is still gracious and gives them cities of refuge on this side of the Jordan. For us, even if you perhaps have settled for less than what God has for you, He's not going to cast you off. He's not going to utterly destroy you. He's still going to give you the grace and mercy that you need. These cities of refuge, there were no police departments in this time period. There was no CSI Canaanite in this time period or anything like that. So if someone would die and it was unintentionally, that person that was the manslayer could flee to one of these cities of refuge and then the oldest man within that family was required to go after the person that killed their family member. And if they would go to the city of refuge and find them there, they could not harm them, they could not hurt them as long as they lived in the city of refuge and they were innocent. 
If they were guilty, if they really murdered them, they would have to take them off and deal with them. But if it truly was an accident, then they had to stay in the city of refuge until the high priest died. And then once the high priest died, they could be released from the city of refuge and go back to normal living. Much the same for us. We need to be in that city of refuge until our high priest has died. And our high priest, Jesus Christ, he's died, he's resurrected. So now we're no longer bound by our sins or our past, but we can walk in newness of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Finally here, verse 44 through 49, it says, Now this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which Moses spoke to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt, on this side of the Jordan, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon, whom Moses and the children of Israel defeated after they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan, towards the rising of the sun on the east side, from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, even to Mount Sion, that is Hermon, and all the plain on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of Arabah, below the slopes of Pisgah. And here we're reminded that it's been 38 years. It's been 38 years since the nation of Israel has heard the law since they were given the Ten Commandments. And now God has instructed Moses for this new young Israel, everybody's 58 years and younger, besides for Caleb and Joshua, God has instructed Moses to go over all of the law and all of the history of their nation before they can go into the Promised Land. And family, we also need to review the Word of God over and over and over again. Why? Because we are prone to forget His Word. We're prone to forget His law. We are prone to forget His goodness towards us. And that's why it's so important for us to go through the Bible over and over and over again. That's why it's especially important for us as parents to continue to speak the Word of God into the lives of our children. And to remind our children of our past mistakes so that they don't make our same mistakes. To remind ourselves, to remind our children of the mistakes of the Israelites so we don't have to make the same mistakes. Let's turn to Psalm 103 and we'll close here. Psalm 103. We will read just a few of the verses here. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, praise for the Lord's mercies, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life 
from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Hey, worship team, you can come up, and I encourage you, family, don't allow yourself to forget all of his benefits. Don't allow the busyness of today, or the busyness of this week, or the busyness of the season that you're in, don't allow how the enemies of God are, are, seem to be winning or seem to be being blessed. Don't allow the difficulty of cutting off sin and cutting off the flesh blind you from the fact of the goodness of our God. Just how gracious He's been to us. How long-suffering, how kind, how good He has been towards each and every one of us. I encourage you to remember the Lord your God to bless him and to forget not all his benefits. So hey, let's all stand. And when we close in song, that's exactly what we're doing. We are blessing the Lord our God. And that's why we should sing to him with all we got. We should sing to him. We should sing to him out of our heart and be grateful and thankful for all that he's done for us. Lord, we, we thank you for your goodness towards us and and Lord, we do. We thank you for the Old Testament, Lord. Forgive us for thinking it's not worth it and, and not worth reading, Lord. We thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. Forgive us, God. Forgive us in getting caught up with so many pointless things, Lord. Getting caught up with so many idols that do us absolutely nothing but just end up blinding us and dumbing us down all the more, Lord. Lord, help us. Help us with this incredible balance, Lord, to love you and have this friendship and relationship with you, Lord, but yet to have so much reverence, Lord. May each of us have the fear of the Lord deep within our hearts and our souls, Lord. Help all of the fathers here, Lord, to have that reverence for you and to demonstrate that reverence that our sons and daughters would walk in the same way. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. And Lord, especially for those who are going through difficult seasons right now, Lord. Whether it's health that has betrayed them, Lord. Whether it's family and friends, loved ones that have betrayed them. Lord, I pray even now as we close in song, may they be mindful and be reminded of all of your goodness towards us, Lord. Lord, we love you. 
We're so grateful for you and all that you've done for us. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.